It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show today. We are going to be talking to social entrepreneur and just a great global citizen. Uh, Her name is Maggie Doyne, and she is the founder of an organization called Blink Now. Um, I love Maggie's story, um, and her insights are incredible. Uh, Whether it's just, you know, how she came across this idea and started the foundation, or how she actually started getting funding um, and partnering with people, um, really incredible. It all started with her compassionate, you know, eagerness to help one child. And today, you know, they're very focused on building community through caring for children, education, healthcare, empowerment, sustainability. Um, and she has accomplished amazing things. So stay tuned, hear what she has to say. There's a lot you can learn from Maggie. You know, one of the other things is we get questions about mentorship. Obviously, it's an important part to accelerating your success. And all I could say is there's nothing better than meeting people in person. Um, you got to build your network. Um, some of the most uh, powerful um, advances in any startup is really through referrals, uh, partnerships, collaboration. Um, and you're going to have to build a network of different types of partners. And part of that is getting these mentors on your side. Um, but they get so many emails, uh, you really got to do something different. And you know, going eye to eye, meeting in person um, is just so much more powerful. So, you know, while it's a bigger investment, it is an investment in your future. And what I'm talking about is getting out to these conferences. Um, We connected with a conference called Survive and Thrive, and it is for purpose-driven businesses. But it's really cool because they are capping the ticket sales and keeping it intimate so that you get one-on-one discussions with impact investors and you can network with them or entrepreneur mentors. Um, You're going to hear keynote speakers, a pitch contest. Um, And it's going to be really dynamic because it's actually on a campground that's really cool. And you'll be doing things like building boats and racing and water events sitting around a campfire at night and drinking beers, but then, you know, on the flip side, meeting with these mentors, hearing keynote speeches, and, you know, so you really get to meet people um, and, and see different sides of them, and it's a great way to bond and connect and build those relationships where you walk away with something super value, valuable that goes beyond the conference, right? So me, Amy, and Kay will all be there, and uh, we hope we can uh, bump into some of you. And um, the team over at Survive and Thrive, we interviewed the three founders. So if you stop by the website, we have the interview posted, but also they gave us 15% off, and we are extending that to you guys. So if anybody wants to go, it's early September, right around the corner, and it is 15% off. So it's a big chunk of change that you save. Uh, just put the coupon code changecreator15 in the uh, coupon code field when you sign up. So guys, stop by their site, check out what they're doing. It is really, really cool. It's different than most of the other conferences that we've been to or have seen. So uh, something worth considering. It is a, a good investment in your future. So, okay, uh, guys, just as a final wrap up, issue 10 with uh, Dr. Elizabeth Hausler is live. Finally, it is on both iOS uh, for your Apple device and on Google Play for um, 
for your Android. So, you know, stop by, check it out. It is in the new platform. So we have a responsive reading experience and it's across all devices now, including desktop. So now uh, everything will be very readable for a great user experience on your mobile phone. You can also access it on desktop, tablet, anywhere that you need to. Um, so we're really excited about it. Stop by our website. You can subscribe there, um, get some other good stuff. And uh, we got a ton of new content posted. So we are pumping things out weekly, guys. Uh, so keep us uh, in mind and let us know your feedback on things. Anytime you can stop by the iTunes store and, and drop a note, that is really helpful and appreciated. I know you're going to dig this. Maggie, hey, how are you? Uh, thanks so much for joining the show. I appreciate it. I'm good, Adam. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, doing so much cool stuff. I don't even know where to begin. Um, but let's start at the beginning, I guess, right? So I, you have so many cool videos out there um, that share your story, and, and they're done really well also. Um, but I just want to give people from, from your, own, you know, your own summary of how you got involved doing what you're doing, you know, what, what took you there. If you could just share that journey, um, that would kick things off real well. Sure. So um, I was kind of like your pretty average, typical girl. I grew up in New Jersey, um, in the suburbs. I played soccer. I was a pretty good student and I was very much college bound. Like a lot of my peers, I think it was kind of like drilled into me from a very young age that you had to do well so that you could go to a good school with a great name and get a good job and, and be successful or what I think our culture deems as successful. And, um, yeah, so at long story short, I had applied to schools. I had gotten into schools. It was that time of year, like IB exams, everything was kind of wrapping up and we were in the lacrosse championship. And at the very last moment, I just woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go to college. I need to take a break. And um, I'm not going to make this huge investment of time and money when I have no idea who I am on the inside and mm. and what I want to do and, and what to make of myself. So it was a, a big surprise to, I think, everybody <laughs> around me. But I took a gap year. I signed up for this amazing program called Leap Now. And mm. uh, I set off to travel the world. And ultimately, for a semester program, I ended up in northeastern India in um, a project called Ramana's Garden, which served uh, mainly Nepalese refugees and the refugee community there. And um, I just started to get to know what was happening across the border in northeastern um, in Nepal. Right. And, um, and yeah, there was a really awful, tragic civil war. And... Uh, Basically, children would, would flee across the, Nepali, the Nepali border into India, and we were intercepting a lot of those cases and hearing those stories and, and learning about the happenings there. And then I decided to take a trip to Nepal, into the Himalayas, literally. And uh, there was just something for me there, and I had become really passionate about orphan care and children's homes and orphanages and just how things are 
her run and I think in my young <laughs> naive youth I was like I'm going to build my own orphanage my own children's home and do it my way and now uh, today I'm the mother of uh, 50 children <laughs> it's incredible <laughs> who would have thought right um, it's amazing yeah so you, you I mean I like one thing that just stood out to me through your your narrative right there was um, you know do you align with culture's definition of success and you know, I, I, I would say over 90%, I always say this, that 90% of the people I talk to, just like we're talking now, have these um, travel experiences that lead them to their mission in life. And mm-hmm. it, it's the same thing that happened with you is kind of engulfing yourself with like a sensory overload by going to Nepal and being there firsthand um, inspired you to basically take on this whole new life direction and um i i like that you kind of said well i'm going to kind of make my own definition of success and it's not it doesn't have anything to do with going to college and becoming a financial advisor (laughs) you know yeah yeah and it's interesting because initially i thought well i'm obviously going to go back i'm just going to take a one-year break or um and after i tell this whole story no matter how many times i tell it or how many forums everybody in the audience or someone inevitably says well did you ever go to college (laughs) (laughs) and um and the answer is no i haven't i never went back it's been gosh 12 years and i've gotten an honorary phd and i've definitely paved my own way in a different way and I I think I have received an education a really really good one and I think the mistake that we make is that thinking that education can only come in this one form and it's in this box that you can tick and it comes with a piece of paper and a diploma and you can find yourself and make your education any way in any form you want it to be college and school is great I want my children to go to college now I just dropped my oldest off this year like but um it's just not for everybody and there are so many other ways to get there and yeah. uh yeah it's true well and travel is such an incredible educational tool itself just you know to your mm-hmm. point you know it's not just college and all those types of things not that college is a bad thing if you want to become a doctor or something you know you know exactly where you, what you need to do to get there but um in your case if you want to do what you're doing um i don't know is college <laughs> is college really going to teach you that um Maybe today they're getting there, right, with social entrepreneurship classes and stuff like that. But I don't think mm-hmm. there's any inspiration that can be as strong as going out there firsthand and experiencing something like you did. Yeah, yeah. Travel definitely strips everything else away, and you're kind of left with yourself and yep. and what you want to make of the world and and of yourself. Yeah, for for sure. I love it. So okay, so to my understanding, you had your. Your $5,000 of babysitting money sent over to you, and you wanted to build a house for some of these, uh, I, guess, I believe they're the homeless children that you came across, right? So you're, you're basically, you took like small steps, it sounds like. It was kind of like, well, first and foremost, there's two things. I don't remember what order it came in, but there was one little girl that um, you just said, what if I can help this one girl get education? And then there was mm-hmm. also, well, what if I can just build... Um, you know, a house for these kids. Like you took these like very specific steps. Um, and so like, I guess, how did that, um, how did you start executing on some of these things? And once your $5,000 was gone, how did you start looking at this as, all right, if I'm going to keep going, where's my money coming from? How do I make a living at this? I think this is something that 
a lot of our listeners or people who are new to the idea of value-based work, like social entrepreneurship, um, you know, they're saying, well, I would love to help these kids. How do I make a living? Right? So I'd like to just talk about that a little bit, like how you went from starting and then continuing to be able to fund yourself. Right. Um, Great question. So the beginning was so organic and it was really about baby 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 mini steps and I say I give you the one minute version so quickly and now I'm a mom of 50 kids and I run a school and a women's center and a sustainable farm and it's like (laughs) oh my gosh yeah and and it's funny because even I forget to take myself back to the beginning sometimes and it was so hard and I'll tell you babysitting money got me really far but not it just got me the land like that was that was it and I'm lucky it got me that far um but the 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 sort of like why I moved there and and the first step for me was there was a um a riverbed and on this riverbed there were just as far as the eye could see along the side of the dry river there were children breaking rocks and they were as young as like four and five years old breaking stones and they take big rocks and break them up into smaller pieces and they were selling them to developers uh, to make roads and and gravel Mm. and I mean just imagine walking across this riverbed in the heat and you see these kids breaking rocks in the heat and the cold I mean all the time all day every day and it was just this this sight that I think if I had just gone back to New Jersey, I think it would have haunted me for the rest of my life. Um, Right. So I look at this one little girl and every day as I cross the dry riverbed, she smiles at me and she's just, you just notice her. She's in this orange raggedy dress and she has this beautiful smile and big eyes. And she says, namaste, Didi. Hello, sister. And that was the first child for me. She she actually has a single mom who's a widow and uh, many brothers and sisters, and she was working to support the family. And in my reading and my study and my learning about what changes the trajectory of a child's life, we, we know now that it's really education, um, even something as simple as primary school education. So Hema, that little girl, was the first child I enrolled into school. And that began sort of, I started with that rock breaking community. Right. And, um, but what happened was after I enrolled HEMA into school, I realized all the other barriers that children like HEMA have. Um, and, and HEMA's situation, you know, she lives in a slum and she has many brothers and sisters and a single mom who's illiterate, but there are kids who don't have family or parents to speak of. There were kids who had lost everything. And that sort of set me on the next step, which was, well, what if I could have a home and a center and um, be supporting kids to go to school, but also for the kids who don't have anyone. And and that was the call for my babysitting money <laughs> to my parents. Right. right. <laughs> and so I buy a piece of land and that was the concept for a home for children to live. Mm-hmm. And, um, and from there, it was just step by step. I actually came back to New Jersey because I had nothing left. And I babysat again. And I read. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Yeah, I babysat, I dog sat, I cat sat, I did everything I could. I had a full-blown babysitting schedule. And in my spare time, I was reading about nonprofit development and how to create a board and register a 501c3. I mean, I was so young. I didn't know anything. I had to find people to teach me. And... 
within that process of just working and trying to make payments, like at the end of a week on a Friday after I'd worked, you know, 60 hours, I would send over seven, eight hundred dollars because I was trying to erect this small home. And I had workers there on the ground in the community. And and slowly, little by little, I'm getting the money together until finally I needed a septic tank. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't I can't keep babysitting <laughs> my way to do this. Right. And so, um, you know, a little newspaper covered the story. I started going into schools. I, the, the EIN number came through for our nonprofit. Yep. I named the organization Blink Now and Changing the World in the Blink of an Eye. And, and then I realized you know, that I didn't have to do it alone and I needed to build a team and, and a board and, and, and still over the next few years, it was slow. And I was in Nepal and, and just little by little, um, step by step and, uh, kid by kid, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you look at this as well? I'm building a social enterprise or were you just looking at it as like, to your point, these baby steps where it's like, all right, Right now, what I'm trying to do is help this girl. So whatever money I need to do that, I just got to figure out how to get that money and how to accomplish that goal. And then once that goal is done, it's kind of like, well, how do I take it further and, and now help, you know, put a roof over the head of 50 kids? And then yeah, it's just yeah. that goal specifically. Because <laughs> I'm just curious if you had that business model in mind for like a future vision or if you were really just like just trying to hit these specific things because that's what you really cared about at the moment. Exactly. In the beginning, I didn't even know what a social entrepreneur was. I didn't. I had never heard the word social entrepreneurs. I didn't know what a job as a nonprofit leader or any in development really looked like. I was. I just hadn't been exposed to it. And so, and you know what? Looking back, I think that that was the thing that helped me the most because I just had this vision and it was, I was tunnel vision. I wasn't thinking big or macro or I want to find a home for every 64 million of every orphan child in the world. It was, I'm going to target this community, this riverbed, these rock breaking kids, um, this community of orphans. And and it, it was so small. And if I had gone in with this big picture vision, I don't know that it would have worked. Um, Interesting. And still, I mean, I work within like a seven mile radius. I, it's so small um, right. and so community driven. And it started so grassroots. And um, but it didn't it wasn't until, you know, a year or two years down the line that I started to think bigger picture. We were featured in a magazine Cosmo as Cosmo girl of the year. And, um, a couple years later we were on the back of the cool ranch Doritos bag and the story started to spread. And I started to get messages from young people everywhere about like what I was doing and how it was inspiring them. And, and, and then I kind of started to think big picture and, and that's always my lesson for younger people. It's like, don't start with a big vision, like start with one thing and take these baby steps and read everything you can about the bees or the whales or pollution or what it is that you're inspired by, or you want to change. And that those baby steps will will create momentum right. and they'll create sort of the avalanche little by little and um and 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 build you up to what you want to be right if, right and you'll evolve because, i guess as you go and, and it sounds like taking those small steps it one thing i've noticed uh, in entrepreneurship and let me know if you agree as you start getting a bigger it's good to think big ultimately sure but when you do that you start getting very like 
business-minded in the sense of tactical, strategic, and you overcomplicate everything so much that you mm-hmm. lose this the original authentic idea of like why you're even doing what you're doing. Um, so to your point, if you focus on a small specific thing like help this one person or build this house, um, that makes it very focused. So you're not overcomplicating everything. Is that? I mean, that's what I'm hearing from you, which I think makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that's exactly right. And in that sense, like anyone can do it. And that's always my message. Like anyone can do this. It is not, you know, you need to love children and you need to learn from other models, but you can take, anyone can take the steps and go on a journey like this for for what you want to change and for what you want to make better. And yes, I wrote a business plan probably a year in because I needed it for my first group of donors and investors. And um, yeah. But it was simple. It was like, yeah, I'm going to build this cement brick house and I want to build a home for 15 kids and and your business model can change. And we shouldn't even, I don't know if, why we call it a business model, but it can be a vision board. It can be um, a piece of paper where you jot down your dreams and your vision and your ideas. But definitely that is a really good first step. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. And it's almost like a different approach. You know, you hear traditional business and entrepreneurship is, you know, always think big, have a 10 year vision or a five year vision. And I can understand kind of wanting to know where you want to go to. Um, but I think at some point to, to your point, you've got to like just break it down and start getting momentum by these small steps. So I, I just really like what I'm hearing you say. And it seems to it seems to have worked well for you as a model, right? So I, I look at what you're doing and it, when I was watching your video and you're like, I wanna help this one girl. I love mm-hmm. that idea because you hear people like they do campaigns to raise money, like save the elephants. But when you say save Shelly the elephant uh, in this part of the world because of this, like it's very specific and it's singular. Um, people, right. it's easier to understand it. People get behind it more. Um, and I saw that in what you were doing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, you know, it was all about the best advice I ever got was think about how you want to spend your days. And my goal is to raise my children. Like I want to be a mom. And it's not that I don't have a scale, like this big vision of what I want. I want every single orphan child to have a home and have their most basic needs met. I want every child to have the chance to go to school. Um, it just so happens that 50 of those children are mine and this is my piece for what I can do. And by doing that, I hope that other people will take in children or start children's homes or adopt or sponsor a child to go to school. And I think for me, that was the best path of how I wanted to spend my days and spend my life and dedicate my life. And I didn't want to be running around the world, setting up building schools. Cause I didn't, I didn't feel like that was right. What, the best use of, of, of what I could do. Um, but I want other people to, (laughs) (laughs) well, you said, Hey, you said, you know, the change of kids trajectory education is key. So building schools certainly isn't a bad thing. No, no. And I hope that some little girl in Illinois will read my story or hear about and say, I want to build a school in West Africa or in, 
you know, Washington, D.C. or wherever it is that that I hope that that's how I'll achieve scale by doing what I love and where I feel I can make an impact. And um, and I hope that I can teach that little girl what I've learned and have an open source model and 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 be able to share the best I can. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. So so I guess I'm curious, then you obviously then started setting up a business model to say, well, if I want to be sustainable, I do need to understand where money is coming from and how that's going to work. So how did you start setting that up? And it sounds like you had to get a strategy for getting partners to fund you on board. And so how did you start um, identifying partners and what? how did you pitch them to get them on board? I mean, you have a powerful story that makes it easier, I, I think. But um, how did you approach that and how did you get people to say yes? Great question. Um, I got really lucky. I was doing this garage sale. Um, hustle gets you really far. <laughs> and Absolutely. people people see hustle They and they see drive and they see like the fire in your eyes. Um, that's, that's one thing I've learned. And, and that young, I mean, imagine sitting across the table from someone you're 19 years old and saying, I want to move to Nepal and build this home. And, and, uh, but what happened was I was doing this garage sale cause I needed to buy a septic tank. So I was collecting all this <laughs> junk and the local newspaper covered my story. And it was the perfect picture because, the house was just this shell and you could see the bricks and the mortar and the windows were starting to go in and it was front page of my local newspaper. And I grew up in New Jersey, which is in the suburbs. It's outside of New York. I definitely had that privilege going for me that I came from a town where people um, are really motivated and they care about world change and they really lifted me up the high school that I went to, but I started to get a couple calls and, um, my first call or email came in from a woman named Kim Wentworth and she said, do you want to meet up with me? And I said, yeah, sure. And she was like, tell me about what you're doing. And I, and I kind of pitched her this idea and she said, you know what, Maggie, like, I don't know if you're going to actually do this or be able to do it, but I love this so much. And I love the look in your eye and I love that you're trying. And if you can give $5,000 to this, I can too. And here's your next $5,000. And, um, Hmm. not all of the investments were like that. Some of them were $20 bills from kids or lemonade stands or (laughs) family foundations of, you know, $500, but it came in and that money went so far in finishing up the house. And, um, and then, yeah, there were sit down meetings with other people. I started in, in my community though. And I would pitch and I would tell them my ideas and my plans and, and people got behind it early on. And I'm really lucky for that. Right. Wow. So now have you ever gone after, you know, the Gates Foundation for bigger dollars and stuff like that? Um, I uh, later, later on, you know, I would set these these goals. Um, obviously, it, the goals initially were really small. I need this much to finish off the first story. I need this much to finish off the second story. Oh, now I need another, I need to put another bathroom in. Yeah. And because those goals were so small, I could fund them with crowdfunding online, with our website. I had a blog and that's how I started. And in order to really apply to some of the bigger foundations and get the bigger dollars, what I've learned is that you need to establish a track record. You need to be vetted. You need to be in the community for a while to really prove that you're there and that you'll be there consistently. So the grants start small, you know, they start at 
$10,000, which to me, I would like sob. I still do every time. <laughs> like it was huge. I mean, that was that money. That's, that's a hundred thousand rupees in Nepal and, and goes really far. And then they get bigger, like 25,000. Once you've proven that you've gotten to that level, um, you know, I got a hundred thousand dollar grant, which was my biggest from do something.org when I was 22. And, and then from there you start getting grant applications. You kind of get into this, the tier of, of smaller foundations and then it takes you a while to get to the tier of bigger foundations. I haven't gotten, um, to Gates just yet. They're not, they're not in Nepal, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, but, yeah. but yeah, I think, I mean, once you're a decade old, which Blink now just celebrated, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary this year, we're celebrating, um, you do start, start to get access to some of those bigger numbers. Yeah, I would think so. So to your point, it's stacking your success. It's kind of starting small, proving your, your yourself out, and as you get more and more of a successful track record, uh, showing your commitment to these things, people will invest more and more dollars into what you're doing. Right. And I started with, you know, a $30,000 operating budget and, and then you go up to 50 and I remember hitting a hundred and then, you know, it just, as you, as you build more projects, your budget goes up and up and you have the donor base, um, and the platform to hold that and maintain it, Yeah, but making sure that that growth is kind of slow and organic and manageable. Makes sense. Makes sense. So I guess across this mission you've had, what has been... I want to be, I'm curious, you know, people like to hear that they're not the only one suffering. So <laughs> what has been your biggest challenge or failure or something that you were just like, oh my God, it just crushed you um, throughout your entrepreneurial process of uh, pursuing this mission? Um, and how did you overcome that? Does anything come to mind for you? There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many. Um, well, in the beginning, it was not speaking Nepali. I it I it took me a while to learn, and I just remember being there on the ground trying to problem solve, and not even no one no one could speak English. Right. Um, that was like one of the earlier biggest challenges, and again, I was just like, I need to learn and, and immerse myself and learn. Um, and then for me, the the losses have always come um, in the form of, of, of cases that I was working on and invested in or, or particular children. Um, yeah. those are always the tough ones. I mean, y- you do absolutely everything you can to, to save a child or to change something. And, and, and for me, it, like my heart is just really in this work and, um, you know, you can lose grants or something can happen, uh, as a foundation, but the hard things for me have been, have been emotional and just living on the ground in Nepal and, and the day to day, um, losses. And, um, yeah, I, I think those have always been the toughest times for me and the ups and downs of life of just the things that you can't always change. Um, can't control everything. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I had a thought. I think I just lost my thought, darn it. Um, I was going to say something about that. Uh, all right. It's probably not going to come back to the, me. <laughs> the, the thing about being an entrepreneur is that um, when you're working on the ground on a social issue, mm-hmm. yeah, you can never lose perspective. You know, right. like I, my problems when I'm in the States 
are 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 nothing to what the oh, life yeah. of a Nepali woman my age with five kids who's breaking rocks. You know, like you always. I think in your deepest, darkest of times and your struggles and the moments where you just can't get your head off the pillow, you, I, st- I feel like I've always still been able to see how lucky I've been. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's important and really easy not to lose that perspective when you're doing social work or, um, working in a country like Nepal where there's so much need and um and I always say to myself will I have food will I be able to feed my children in the toughest of times and if the answer is yes then I let myself I let myself sleep (laughs) (laughs) can we survive can I always survive and I'm lucky I have a safety net and I have good family and I have good friends and and it's gotten me through those really dark and difficult times yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the things I recently learned, too, is like, well, when I look at a story like yours, and you've been able to be successful, because it's something that has really resonated with you as being important, right? And so you really believe in what you're doing. And it's your, that original, authentic mission that you've established, um, because you care. And I was recently reading the autobiography of the founder of Nike and um, you know it's interesting because one of the things that stood out to me was he said belief is irresistible and um, he was trying to at a young age sell encyclopedias and then sell securities and he said he's an Mm. awful salesman he can't sell he can't sell he's terrible but after he conned uh, Tiger Shoes into believing he had a business and to sell him shoe samples for running shoes he, mm-hmm. that's something he was very passionate about. And so when he tried to actually go talk to coaches and sell them, he was selling them like hotcakes. And that's where he said, it's only because he believed so deeply in that, that he, belief became irresistible to other people. And I think that just like you said, when you said you could see it in your eyes and you can hear the passion in your voice, um, it's because you're pursuing the right idea. Right. Oh, it's so true. I need to read that autobiography. (laughs) It's really good. You know, I try to listen to these books. These guys have some incredible stories, man. They just go through so much chaos, but you get these little tips from their successes and failures. And um, I was doing a long road trip the other day, so I was listening to like the audio version. Mm, nice. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I do want to be respectful of your time. We're just about out here. Um, and I want to give you the chance to give a shout out to people so they know how to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing. You guys have accomplished a great, great bit since that first little girl that you helped. I mean, I'm looking at your website right now. You've got the children's home, the, how do you, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Copila? Copula Valley School, the which school. has about 400 kids. Yeah, we have clinic. a oh, yeah. that the women's center <laughs> sustainability program. So, guys, listening, I mean, just you could see. I, you know what, you should have a little timeline um, that shows these things uh, developing over the course of time. <laughs> oh, totally yeah. interactive. Yeah, that would be super yeah. cool because you could be like, "Here's where we are at this point," and and it can grow. You could see how you stacked your success. You know, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. But you've done so much that. over the years. I think. Um, you're obviously doing wonderful work and you've been noticed for it, you know, through the news networks and stuff like that. So keep the uh, fire, keep the passion, keep helping people. Um, 
you know, I, I, I just can't stress it enough. And it sounds like you have a good, fulfilling life. So um, I really you. appreciate I do. it. Yeah. So yeah. let's give a shout out. How do people connect with you? So you can find us on our website. It's blinknow.org. Or we have a really good Insta Instagram and Insta story. You can see the kids on the ground every day. Cool. Um, blinknow.org. Uh, and, and on Facebook, too. Uh, blinknow. So, yeah, look us up on the social media channels and, and on our website. Uh, there's really great ways to get involved. Very cool. Very cool. And and I see you also offer on your website to, for people to start a campaign of their own, fun, a fundraising campaign for Blink Now. That's right. You can start campaigns. Um, you can get involved in other campaigns that are going on. We always have a big undertaking that we're working on. And and yeah, there's there's so many opportunities to cool. to. All thank right. You. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it, Maggie. Um, love your story and uh, keep up the great work. Guys, that's how you can get in touch. Check them out. They're doing amazing stuff. Get inspired and get out there and travel. That's too. all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.